Thank you for joining The Collective today. The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. On today's episode, we have Charlie Price. Charlie's an award-winning hairstylist, an educator, and the founder of Beauty Underground magazine. He also has an amazingly funny Instagram feed on a daily basis. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoy chatting with Charlie about all the things in his career. So thank you so much, Charlie, for joining the collective today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We want to know, who is Charlie? I'm Charlie Price. I'm a hairdresser and hair industry educator based in Denver, Colorado. So you have an amazing resume, all the shows you've done, the magazine, the education, the platform work. How did you get to be this Charlie? Oh, well, (laughs) that's hard to answer because it's been a 32-year career, but I guess it all started with um, just my my interest in the creative part of hair. I always loved going to the salon with my parents when they would get their hair done. And I loved looking at the books and I was really drawn to the photography aspect, um, the hair pictures of models. And so um, I loved being in the salon and, and all of that and doing hair. But I really have always been, even in beauty school, really interested in creating pictures. And so I think that's what took me first to um, my advanced education uh, right out of beauty school at Aveda and then me wanting to be an educator. And then everything sort of has blossomed and branched out from that. That's awesome. You've had quite a career. It's amazing. Thank you. So from your time in Aveda, um, so Graduating from Aveda, did you go straight into advanced education? Well, I didn't go to an Aveda beauty school. I went to a vocational program in Denver with my high school. So I've never had any other job as an adult, um, but hairdresser. But right after beauty school, I went to the Horst Institute because at my beauty school, a bunch of different product companies had come in and presented themselves to us. Um, and I'm not really 100% sure why they did that. I don't know if they wanted us to go find a salon that carried those products or what, but I loved Aveda, um, and the Aveda was used at the salons that I ended up at. Um, and so I flew to Minneapolis in 1988 and took a class and met Horst for the first time and was completely blown away by the place. And so I, I, I definitely knew I wanted to be an educator for them when I saw the team um, on stage at America's Beauty Show back then in the 80s, right after I was at the Horst Institute. So how long did you educate for them? Do you still educate for them? I started educating for them in about, let me see, it must have been 92-ish when I opened my first salon. Um the distributor in Denver was kind of sponsored me and encouraged me to do it. And I definitely wanted to before that, but um, I didn't really know how to get into it. So it took me a while to figure that out. Um, and I was building my clientele and all that. So um, I was educating from, I think, 92 until 2007 is when I quit educating for them and became more independent educator. Uh, so did you do, when you educated for them, did you do the whole platform circuit? 
Yeah, I, I started as uh, doing local classes in Colorado all around the distributorship here. And then when I started, I became what they called the professionals. And um, I was one of the first ones. I wasn't the ex- the very first generation, but I was right after the very first one. And um, I went all the way up till there was one of their international platform artists. Um, and I did so much for the VEDA I did research and development. I did classes at the Advanced Academies. I did runway shows in New York Fashion Week. Um, I, I don't know. I did everything that an educator could do. Product development. I was in ads. I did campaigns for Aveda. Um, I traveled as an educator, obviously, uh, with them as well. So with the, um, the product development and traveling with them, being on the road, the platform work, all of that. What was your favorite? Do you have any favorites out of that? Well, my favorite thing was to do any kind of a big show, like uh, the Congress Festival, which was Aveda's year, or every other year or yearly giant convention where we did just the big theatrical presentations. I love a main stage presentation with, you know, model sequences and video and slides and whatever, you know, AV, razzle-dazzle. Um, I love, and, and I love the evening performance things too as well, where we would just have like a three-minute segment or whatever with models. I, that's always been my favorite. And I definitely also love doing photo shoots, the, working with the photographers for, you know, Aveda campaigns was amazing as well. Yeah, I love I love the big hair show. So my background is more is Paul Mitchell. And so Paul Mitchell has their big gathering every year. And it's like, you know, you're like prepping and you're working for hours for that. Like, I don't know, five minute presentation, but it's just, you know, it's mind blowing. It's almost like a whole Broadway performance in five minutes. You know, it's like such a beautiful execution of everybody's creativity. And you know, with the photo shoots, I, that's one of my favorite things too, is doing session work. And I love it so much. It's amazing to be able to see those creations come to life, right? Like everything that we're trying to create and actually executing it in real time. So what are you doing now? You've got, how did you get from, so 2007, right? So you stopped educating for them and did more of independent education. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I still was working with product companies, but I worked with a few um, simultaneously. I was working with Scruples uh, here in the U.S., uh, and I, I loved doing that. I met Mia Ligori, who's one of the owners. Uh, she's They've since sold it, but, you know, doing everything with the officers of the company, from campaigns to hair shows to um, learning about how, how the sales the marketing and everything, the warehouse, all of it. It was an amazing education. I did that for maybe five, three, three to five years. I can't remember precisely because I don't know officially when it, when it started and when it stopped, but um, I worked, I still work with her. We're still really good friends um, doing various creative things. And um, she's not really working right now. So the things we've done have just been for fun. But um, I also had a contract with, Revlon, where I traveled around the world, that was really amazing. I was one of the first people that represented their brand called Style Masters. So I went all over Europe. I went, did a little bit in South America, Mexico. Um, it, that was one of the most, that was probably 
equally as amazing as Aveda. And I got to work with Robert Lobetta and David Recuglia. Who I love, they were photographed my work and I went on tour with David. I went to, you know, different places in Europe with him, um, representing the product, doing press conferences, doing big shows, doing whatever. And the, and the photo shoots were wonderful. What else did I do? I worked, I, I did little things, you know, random things like, I was on stage once at TV, TG doing makeup with my friend um, Eric Gomez uh, and uh, a guy, Kevin, that um, used to work with, he's now with Mary at BTC, but I used to work with him. Uh, we were friends, and so he had me on their stage. I did a little sequence, a little like sort of collaboration with number four. I did one with uh, Rusk for five minutes. That one didn't work out so well. Uh, and then. Um, I'm trying to think of who, if I've, what other companies I've done. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but I worked with two yeah. lots of little things with various companies. Oh, I, you know, at New York Fashion Week, I've worked with all kinds of companies. Like I worked with Living Proof. I worked with um, Sexy Hair. I worked with um, basically Redkin, L'Oreal Professional. At New York Fashion Week, we would team up with all kinds of people. Ah, so much fun. I've only done one one week of New York Fashion Week. So I'm hoping that maybe if it comes back this year, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> like, I it's, don't know. It's really fun. It is. Yeah. Like yeah, I, um, I'm more in the film and TV realm now. So I'm like usually yeah. on something full time and I can't, you know, can't seem to get away during that time. It just hasn't seemed to happen. But yeah. um, so you've worked for all these amazing companies. So, you know, like, working for all of them and being able to be creative in all those different kind of worlds. Like, what was it like? Well, I I, I do love um, being independent because I can float from one gig to another gig. I suppose one thing that you have to understand when you're independent like that is you always have to be generating excitement yourself and seeking things out and stay and keeping yourself out there. So, I do. I, 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 that doesn't bother me. I like that, but I think that I understand why some people just stay at one product line forever, and uh, because there is a comfort to that and a security tied to it. Um, but I think I'm too rebellious. I, I, I don't really do well in corporate situations. Um, I just don't like BS, and I don't like um, indirect communication. I like directly knowing what's going on. I like to know if I'm in a fight with someone. I like to know if someone loves me. I like to know exactly what's going on. I like people to say what they mean. And corporate environments usually are the opposite of all that. Right. Yeah, they can be quite quite challenging when it comes to expression, too. Yeah. <laughs> like whether, yep. it's, <laughs> whether it's expressing yourself or, you know, expressing your work, that sort of thing. It's, it's exactly. an interest, interesting world. So um, through all of this, now you're... Um, still educating and are you still behind the chair yeah I'm working out of my house now doing clients and that's really all I'm doing because there's nothing else to do um, I'm still on the Naha committee uh, we we also sponsor the international hairstyling awards Hair, it's actually hairdressing I said hairstyling international hairdressing awards in Spain but that's already canceled for 2021 it usually takes place in February so and now has been moved now to March so I'm not doing anything. I, I quit Denver Fashion Week. I was one of the co-founders of that. So my main things are to work on these awards things and then um, my magazine, Beauty Underground Magazine, and then um, 
with a few colleagues, my old colleagues from Beta, I started I started the Southwest Hairstyling Awards. One colleague started Midwest and one started Northwest. And so now together, all three of us have decided to team up and we're going to be doing the other two regions as well because they've these have gone so well. Um, and we're going to announce next year when those are because nobody's really thinking about doing a photo shoot for 2021 right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so... So tell me about that. Tell me about the hairstyling awards. I don't know how. I mean, I know I've seen it somewhere, but I guess because well, so I'm so many. disconnected recently from the hair world because my I've moved. Like my personal focus has been more makeup over the past few years. So yeah, uh, the, the awards. Well, with the North American hairstyle, the reason I'm I'm interested in all this is because I think right now. Um, all of the different awards out there are kind of our last um, bastion of quality work and supporting quality work, being recognized for doing beautiful photos. Um, uh, except I would say the Behind the Chair Awards. I don't respect that one because they've kind of embraced the whole, like, take a picture at your station kind of thing. Um, yeah. She's really perpetuated that horrible part of our, I'll never forgive her for it. Um, and so I think that what, what we, with the, the awards that we support, um, I think are really, you know, where I'd like to see our industry continue, um, instead of just terrible videos and terrible photos. Uh, I, I love that everyone can express themselves, but it doesn't mean everything's good. You know, that's right. the thing that I, it really bugs me. It's like, well, if something's a bad quality haircut, you can say that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not evil. If something's a terrible photo, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Doesn't mean you're attacking people or being nasty, but it also is like, well, let's tell the truth here. I mean, what's high quality? What's and there's nothing wrong with being elite. I think there's this thing of like, on especially on um, social media where you're sort of attacked if you're um, if you want to be elite or you support people who've accomplished a lot uh, instead of just somebody who's been around for five minutes and does crazy pictures that people happen to like. Um, I don't think that, that a lot of it happens in a vacuum, I guess is what I'm saying. And I like I like the the structure and the camaraderie and the traditions of fine hairdressing. And so that's why I support the ones that I do. And that's why I do the magazine. Yeah, I do. I hope that Naha never goes away. I mean, I know that um, I know we've there's been, um, you know, an addition of categories over the past couple of years and that sort of thing. But I hope that it's something that's still remains um i think it will because i think that um all of the manufacturers that sponsor it uh, realize that too and even though they you know everybody's hedged their bets and still pays influencers they also support naha i think it's um the only you know the thing that naha struggles with like any other awards is there's too many awards out there so you don't want to get lost in the in the sea of awards because, you know, every company has their awards now, too. But I think Naha will survive because it's all of all of the brands and it's still considered. Um, in my mind, it's still the most elite awards in North America. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I. Yeah, I hope it doesn't ever. And I, the, the thing with the social media, it's tough, too, is that every day there's some competition or contest or something on social media so it's you know it kind of takes some of that that level away um I don't know how else to to word that but I remember like you know like 
adding, I did do the behind the chair one shot one time, I think, or something. And you have to like hashtag this and hashtag that. And like this whole, the whole thing. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a different, uh, a different level of work for sure. You know, like I, um, when I started out, like one of my mentors was Scott Cole, right? Like, and he was like, naha, naha, naha. So it's like, you know, you're kind of, kind of losing a little bit of that with all those competitions that are out there on a daily basis. So I get it. So with the magazine is the work that's published in your magazine. Is that just from your creative team or is it submissions from everywhere? Okay. Yeah, The one that's coming out in the next week or so is um, we've got work from Japan. We've got work from all over Europe, Canada, um, Australia, New Zealand, uh, yeah, it's just basically a yearbook of all my favorite. I invite people whose work that I admire, like Sharon Blaine or Tony and Guy team from London um, and Angela Seminara's opening the magazine. Um, and they're not exclusive, so it's not that you may not have seen the pictures before. But for me, it's a sort of a, a an endorsement from Beauty Underground of the people that we believe in, that we support, that we um, would like to be like whose work we love, who we're fans of. Um, and so for me, I love keeping them just as a yearbook of um, looks I don't want to forget, you know, and um, the great parts of being a hairdresser, the beautiful collections that I love. It's amazing. That's a really cool idea, too. I mean, just to be able to have that, you know, that collection. Yeah, the document oh. documentation of it is important to me. Yeah, I don't want it to get. I don't want anything to get lost. I want to keep it, even if it's just for myself and the few people that care about my magazine. <laughs> I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. It's completely underground. It's whoever knows about it. I don't. I don't have ads in it. I don't sell it. I don't make any money from it. It's just. Uh, I guess yeah. it's like a love letter to the industry. It could just cost me money, but it's not super expensive. So I just I do it every year. Yeah, it's worth keeping it going. So are you just doing like one issue a year? Are you doing one yeah. release a year? I was going to do two this year, but because of COVID, I couldn't afford it at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of been sitting there waiting to be released. Um, yeah. I was scared. So now I think, uh, I, I don't think there'll be another one this year, but there's never more than two a year. Got it. It's very cool. I love it. I love the message behind it too. You know, it's not like, because, you know, we all like if we're doing we're doing shoots all the time and creating stuff and then you're submitting them. And then, you know, some of these magazines, you, <laughs> you're paying for the submissions now. Yeah, and then it's like, yeah. then you're paying to get feedback and then, yep. uh, and you That's just the, lose a lot of the quality, right. When you're doing yeah, that. And also I love the fact that um, if somebody wants to send me a shoot, there's no, there's no um, censorship. Like if you want to have nudity, if you want to have a cigarette in the model's mouth, if you want to have, um, you know, whatever boundary pushing provocative themes that, you know, a normal magazine wouldn't touch because they're all basically run by they're they're, you know, they're pay for play magalogs, basically the trade magazine. So I wanted to create something that was just a free space for hairdressers to create, um, whatever they want. Yeah, because you're <laughs> you're showcasing art, right? It's not like exactly, you know. So it's real. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of um, 
kind of like with the podcast, like I, I just love like real raw stories, you know, it's like, it's like your, that's what your magazine is. It's like real raw work art. That's not being, not being filtered. Right. So yep. it's very interesting. Um, so with your Instagram, because I've, I've followed the beauty underground, um, magazine for a long time <laughs> and oh, yeah. And I followed, I have followed you for a long time and your Instagram posts are hilarious by the Thank way, you. like, <laughs> like every day I have like this guy. So <laughs> it's so much fun. So do you ever get like, I mean, are you ever getting any pushback from Instagram? Like, is anybody like, I, I think, I think you're hilarious, but I was just I curious get from hairdressers. Oh, for no, sure. I, I let them hate that. on me. I don't care. I'm like, it, you know, if, if something upsets people, I almost think it's good. Um, because, you know, it's, it's important to have conversations right now. Uh, debates, whatever arguments, however you want to call it. Um, I think it's important for people to do that now instead of just this, um, fake, um, we all get along. We all support each other hairdressers. It's not true. We don't. I mean, everybody has different ideas and I, I love to, um, hear what people think. So provoking people, I think can be good. Also, it's just the way I think there's, there's this thing in, on Instagram that I just hate, especially people who, work for big companies where it's like they're they're on lithium or something or on some kind of drugs. They're just so relentlessly chipper that I can't take it. It makes me sick. Because it right. just seems so fake. It's like so you're never you're never in a bad mood. Everything's just always hunky dory right. and wonderful and sweet and nice. And it's just to me, it's really obnoxious. And so I like to be I like to err on, I always say that I'm like a dark, it's dark storm cloud and the negative Nelly of the hair industry. I'm the old gay bitter uncle of the hair industry. <laughs> I love it so much. But you know, like making people, uh, you know, when you, when you write something that bothers somebody, you're actually making them think, right? So it's like, you know, like you said, thought provoking, you're making people actually stop and think for, for once, <laughs> like, exactly. you know, because some people, yeah. Because some people would just go through life without even, it's like, you know, yeah. posting the next of, balayage technique. Oh, exactly. Barf. That's exactly right. <laughs> if I see another balayage anything, it's like, oh my God. But um, I don't, most of the things that I post, 99% of them or 95% of them are things I find or tweak and yeah. I just put them in my own writing because I, you know, I, I've seen other people share the same things that I share. Um, and so I, it, it's mostly things that make me, if something makes me laugh, uh, by myself when I'm grouchy in the morning, then that's something that I'll usually share. Yeah. That's great. So good. Through COVID, have you just, you've been focusing on the magazine? Yeah. You're now just put everything to a stop. I mean, I, it's been so weird only doing hair. I mean, I've been doing things like this hair and then conference calls for Naha and that's about it. I started coloring some wigs about three weeks ago because I want to do a photo shoot. I actually have had time because I've been wanting to do this for about three years. Um, so I finally got the wigs out and cut them and then I've been coloring them for a few weeks and so that's been really fun. But that's otherwise awesome. I'm not doing anything but hair behind the chair and it's been really actually nice to have my life simpl simplified for me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things with this is that everything's been simplified because everything's so uncertain. And then, yeah. 
you've also, you know, we've all had to like live day by day because we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So right. it's, it's taught people to literally live in the moment, you know, yep. quit looking yep. at the past and the future. So it's, it's really, really interesting. So are you doing any, um, do you do like any, uh, what am I trying to say? Like guest artist spots at any of the schools? Do you do like Anything like that? Any speaking engagements for students? Uh, I, I, or? Did, I did one for Sally Rogerson's community. And I did, uh, I'm going to do one next week for R&Co. But really, that's it. And I've done a lot of, you know, little lives with like Hair Rained and, and a few other ones. Uh, you know, people that have, my friends that have put me live. I, I did one with Michael Sean Corby for Naha. You know, things like that. But I, I don't, I don't generally do video education because most of the time I don't like the way it looks. So yeah. I try to be very selective about who I do it with. Um, and so I haven't done a lot because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's been a whole new, that getting in front of the, ca- like, you know, as an artist, you getting in front of the camera yourself, that's a whole nother um, adjustment for a lot of us too. Yep. You know, stepping, stepping in front of the camera from that and so I'm uh, I read your your article on the tease that was a really good piece thank you yeah it was uh you know when they asked me I was like oh my god I don't even know what to say I have no idea and then it sort of just poured out of me it was like a little bit of a therapy session <laughs> for myself yeah so now it's re- forced me to kind of think about what I, what do I actually think I don't know let me think about it for a minute yeah. No, it's really good. It's a really, really good piece. Thank you. So is there anything that you would say to, um, let's say somebody, well, I mean, who knows like how, how beauty school is right now, because now everything's been digital for them too. Um, yeah. but what would you say to someone who's coming into the industry brand new? Do you have any? I have the same thing that I said that I always say, regardless of COVID, I don't think you should go into a suite right out of beauty school suites are for people who already have a clientele. Um, you need to find someone to be an assistant for, for at least a year or two before you try to go on your own. Uh, you need to be around a group of hairdressers that inspire you and support you. I always tell everybody that I think they should become an educator for a big company for a while. Um, before they go out and become an independent, uh, I think they if you start getting your either photographing your work or having it photographed. Um, those are the three things that I would say right away. And then the fourth thing would be start setting goals for yourself. Like where do you see yourself in a year, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and then ultimate goals that you might like. And those, those goals will change, but it's important to at least have things in your mind of where you'd like to go or else you can end up nowhere and just kind of spinning your wheels. I see so many hairdressers that have no direction and they're just kind of rudderless adrift, you know, waiting for something to happen to them. And I think hairdressers forget constantly that we are the masters of our own destiny and it's not up to someone else to decide for us. That's why we go into this industry is to be in control of our own career. Wow, that was beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Um so and so we've talked about I mean you've worked for so many different brands and you do so many things that I feel like you're you've been able to stay true to like your creative self yeah at Aveda I think uh even though they loved me in a way I think I was probably a huge pain in the ass because I don't like to be told what to do 
Um, I don't fit into like any pep assembly kind of, um, you know, rah, rah, rah mentality. Uh, I don't like to be a cult member. Uh, I don't like to be a mindless drone for a corporation. So I gave them a hard time when I was there and I was uh, very outspoken and rebellious. And um, so I kind of just haven't had a choice. I have, I'm on my own because probably no companies really want to work with me. I'm too scary. Too much of a loose cannon. <laughs> too much I of a liability probably these days, yeah. huh? I can't be. Well, I, <laughs> at least that, I'm, no, I'm no scarier than uh, Zito the hair god, though. And L'Oreal loved his racist ass for all those years. And put him on stage saying the n-word and everything else um so i don't know but i guess corporations you know even whether it's the hair world or not don't like to be they don't really want to know what people think <laughs> so yeah they really you're, you know they want you to stick with their with their brand and their vision yep. so, well if if you had a conversation today with yourself from 2010, so if 2020 Charlie was having a conversation with 2010 Charlie, what would you say to him? I would say, don't worry so much. Uh, you're on the right track. Uh, and just keep going. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Charlie, for our interview Thank today. You. Yeah, it was great. It was super fun. Yeah. Do you want to share your Instagram handles? My, uh, my Instagram handles are Charlie Price Hair and Beauty Underground Team. And then on Facebook, I still do Facebook. I'm just Charlie Price there. Perfect. Thank you again so much. Yeah, thanks so much. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a like and follow us at The Collective Pro. Mm-hmm.